you if you've got the church app, there's notes on that. You can fill in little bits of things on it. If you haven't got the church app, we have an app. Everybody say app. App. Good. I love saying app. App. App is a good word. And what it is, is if you go to our website, which is ignitechurch.org.au, there's a little little tag there that says get app. And if you click on that, it will take you to the download store for whatever your um, phone and stuff is. And you'll download something called Tithely, but it will turn into the Ignite app when it gets on your phone. So you've got to, you've got to download by faith knowing it's going, to, it's going to morph into something even more exciting. But today I want to talk about miracles because, as you probably heard, if you're new around here, I'll outline some of these, but God has been doing incredible miracles. And uh, I believe that he's a, he's a way maker, miracle worker, don't you? Yeah. And... <laughs> ah, 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 stand alive. If you've ever done a CPR course, that's what they teach you to keep rhythm to. It's the actual rhythm you have to keep. So thank you for that. That was excellent. Um, Now, we feel like we're in a little bit of a holding pattern here at the moment, but there is lots of stuff happening down the road, uh, lots of expense, lots of incredible things coming, and we're going to move into an amazing facility down there at Nambour. But um, over the last few months... Certainly this year, in the end of last year, we've seen God do some amazing miracles in this place. And I don't just mean miracles, I mean amazing, off-the-charts miracles. Um, It started, we found a new church property that was literally hidden away. It wasn't even on realestate.com or anything like that. And we found this amazing property down there, which we will have around 250, 300 uh, odd square meter auditorium for ourselves we will have uh, 10 offices and a, a youth hall upstairs and uh, we also have five shops that are leased out to other people so they can pay our bills it's a perfect situation we went in and made a crazy offer on it it was already on for a good offer we made a crazy offer and they accepted it and then we thought well we've got to sell this house and then the story goes like this that that lily house was we, we found a, a clause at a state level that trumps council that would allow lily house to move into this property and renovate it and then deb met with a guy who remains uh, secret and nameless and a 91-year-old man who wrote a check for $700,000 so that Lily House could buy this so that we could buy that. That's a miracle. That's 700,000 miracles. Um, They then tried to jack the price up, 75,000. And uh, we said to them, you need to be true to your word. So they reneged. And now we're we're putting that 75,000 to good use, doing it up. But it's miracle after miracle. You know, it's just been an incredible ride. And um, we've seen it. It's not just in that area. We're seeing it throughout the entire church. I'm talking to people all the time that that are being healed, that are getting incredible breakthroughs, uh, that are getting appointments where it should take six months to get appointments. They're getting one in a week. All this sort of stuff. God's been doing amazing miracles. And uh, I think if you want to see miracles in your life, this is a great place to hang out because miracles go in bunches. They really do. And, and uh, we're seeing it right throughout the church and even in our own life. So I thought it would be a great idea. Josh and I actually put our heads together. We're going to sort of tag team on this. And we want to share around the, the, the miracles that Jesus did. Is that exciting? Because Jesus did miracles, you know. In fact, it's a miracle that we still believe in miracles. 
Now, some people argue, listen to this, some people argue that, that Christians don't need miracles because we have the complete word of God. They say that miracles ceased when the full Bible was given to God. I don't believe that at all. I don't believe it. In fact, I don't believe that they're mutually exclusive. I don't believe that the word replaces miracles or miracles the word. We need them both, don't we? In increasing quantity. So I think it is really, really important that we have both, don't you? And I don't know about you, but I really like to hear about miracles and I love to see them in my own life and in my family's life. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 12, he says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Now, notice that Jesus said that we will see greater miracles than what he did. I don't know how you categorize miracles, because they're all pretty great. But, you know, that's what he's saying, that, that we will see miracles continuing in our life. But notice, we think miracles are for us. We say, God, I need a miracle. And we cry out to God for a miracle. But notice what he says there. He says, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Miracles are for God, not for us, because they show him so beautifully. We think they're for us, but what they're doing is they're bringing glory to God. So this time, when we're seeing miracle after miracle, I thought we'd love, love to do a series on the miracles of Jesus because I want to see these happen, don't you? I want to see more of them. I want to see them happening in the life of the church. And above all, I want to see God glorified through these miracles. And I, when, when someone said to me, gosh, that's just amazing that the church is moving and 700,000 was given, you know, you, you're really awesome. And I said, I'm nothing. How do I bring that money in? I mean, I mean, I love it when God does a miracle so big you can't take credit for it. It's just Him. There's no. It's it's only Him. So we're going to look at Jesus' first miracle, which is found in John chapter two. If you have your Bible there, or your phone, or your app, or anything else, John chapter two. It's turning water into wine. So stop whining and let's have a look at what He says about this. Reading from verse one through to verse eleven. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus was also invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Thank you, Mary. And then Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. He wasn't being harsh. He was just saying, hmm, hmm, that's what he was saying, hmm. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water and they filled them up to the brim. And then he said to them, now draw some of the water out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water had now become wine and he and did not know where it had come from though the servants who drew the water knew the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him everyone serves the good wine first when people have drunk freely then the poor wine but you've kept the good wine until now this was the first of his signs Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifest his glory and the disciples believed in him Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you would just, as we open up this incredible miracle, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So this is the first recorded miracle that Jesus performed, turning water into wine. I don't know if you remember, we used to have a guy in our church called Glenn. He's a kind of a biker looking dude with tats and all that sort of stuff. And he has, he, he from time to time, he drags a cross around, um, mainly down in, in Redcliffe, but sometimes around here. And he was telling me one day he was dragging a cross around and this police car came around. And he thought, hello. He doesn't really like police, can't understand why anyway. Um, so he's, he's dragging this cross and this police car pulls up beside him and a young police officer sticks his head out the window with a bottle of water and he says, uh, excuse me, mate, do you mind turning this into wine? <laughs> Which is pretty funny, but, um, you know, obviously that young police officer knew a little bit about the Bible not much but he knew a little bit why wine why choose your, a wedding for your first miracle so let's look at that why a wedding well Jesus could have he could have made more press by raising the dead I mean if you start your career raising the dead that makes a little bit of an impact he chose a wedding which was like a select small group of people he could have started feeding the 5,000 you know that could have that'd be a good place to start that'd put you on the map wouldn't it But he said, my time has not yet come. See, this wedding was a small town affair, probably lasted up to a week. Can you imagine having a a wedding for a week? Wow. And no, no one notable, really, that we know of was there. It wasn't the royal wedding. Meghan Markle was nowhere to be seen. It was just a wedding of some, some, you know, dude in the town. And only John records this miracle. Now, John is interesting because there are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and John's the odd one out. It records uh, less miracles and contains more theology. Jesus would certainly have a special theological message for the people of his age. Now, if you get theologians involved in this miracle, they want to look behind everything and see the meaning. This is the meaning they tell us about. That uh, in the Old Testament, the, the term married was a picture of God's covenant between the Israel, Israelite people and himself. It was a marriage. And it, when he says that, that, that they broken covenant, it was like an adulterous situation. So when Jesus does a miracle at a wedding, that holds special significance Uh, when the wine ran out it was like all Israel were left uh, had left with six empty water pots and these pots likely were held water for religious external washings but they could provide nothing for internal cleansing and they knew nothing about joy they were just just shells they were just pots and so in this miracle Jesus is making a spiritual statement he's saying that for four centuries since Malachi God's been quiet and these pots that once held something important are now empty and they're just religious empty ritualism and religion and it's a pointed commentary on the bankruptcy of Judaism and the arrival of Jesus because he's like the new wine coming in it's superior to the old but moreover the Jewish religion which was was the, the symbolized by the pots it's just lifeless see when Jesus come he promises life and life to the full isn't that true and remember the, this miracle was really easy for God. Now think about it. God turns water into wine all the time. Didn't you know? The rain falls, the earth sucks it up, the vines suck it out of the earth, they produce grapes, and then it produces wine. God does it all the time. It's not a big deal. But it just doesn't happen like this. So we want to have a closer look at the miracle itself. See, sometimes people will explain miracles away as natural. They'll say it's a coincidence. I say, yeah, but every time I pray, coincidences just happen. 
You know, they'll say, oh, it's just, there's a natural explanation. Maybe there is. But sometimes the timing of itself is supernatural. See, many people miss also the argument. That's the theology behind it. Many people miss the argument behind, uh, sorry, miss the, the, the magic behind the miracle, if you like, by arguing about whether the wine was alcoholic or not. You've been waiting for me to say that, haven't you? Well, cheers to you. Um, <laughs> You can make up your own mind. Some theologians say it was non-alcoholic wine. Some they say it was alcoholic wine. If you get stuck in, I've read reams of pages and pages on this stuff. If you get stuck into that, I'm telling you, you have missed the point. You have missed the point. Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So the, the bottom line is, don't worry about whether the wine is alcoholic or not. Worried about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Right? And you can decide yourself on the, about the other stuff. The interesting thing for me about this miracle, it's not about life and death. See, this miracle was not a desperate situation. It was about joy and blessing. It was saving the reputation of the host. That was, as, that was as tough as it got. Oh my goodness, I've run out of wine. My reputation is in tatters. That's as, that, like it wasn't life and death. It wasn't parting the Red Sea or feeding the 5,000. It was just simple day-to-day stuff. But what it shows me is that Jesus really cares about the little things. Even little things like, is there enough for people to drink at the wedding? John 2 verse 11 says this. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifest his glory. See, the word for signs here is the, the Greek word simeon, which means a miraculous act to confirm or affirm or authenticate somebody. Usually in the Bible, when you see the word miracle, it's, it's the Greek word dynamis, which is the, the word we get dynamite from. It's something explosive and incredible. But this wasn't explosive and incredible. It was just a sign authenticating who Jesus was. And he did it, and it wasn't about life and death. They weren't going to die of thirst. What it was about was joy and blessing. Isn't that incredible? See, sometimes we hear amazing miracles like the 700,000 for Lily House and that sort of stuff, or a new building or someone being healed of cancer, and they're all great. I love them. I celebrate. I love big, huge miracles. But I tell you what. God does miracles all the time if we have eyes to see them. Lots and lots of little miracles all the time. And he does them to bless us. He doesn't doesn't do them because we have to have it or our life is hanging on a limb. He does it because he loves us. He loves you so much he's ready to do a miracle for you. Isn't that amazing? We think, you know, we think we start praying when we've run out of options. We go, oh my goodness, things are so bad now, I'm going to pray for a miracle. We should have prayed for that at the start. Because he is in the miracle business. He's a way maker, miracle worker. And what this recorded miracle suggests to me is that many of God's miracles are just simple, down to earth. They're just your father loving you and blessing you. No other reason. God delights in blessing you. Do you have a story from your life where you, so you, God gave you this incredible miracle and you didn't really need it? You just wanted it. Have you got a story like that? I do. Do you believe God will bless you just because you want it? Sometimes he will. I'm not saying that you can command him around and tell him what you want and he'll go get it. Because last I saw he was God and we weren't. But what I am saying is that sometimes he just blesses you 
out of your out of your mind just to show you he loves you here's an example from my life many years ago I was a young Christian musician I was traveling around I was with Bill Newman playing with Bill Newman and I felt God speak to me one day and God said I want you to write down the 10 places you want to play most and I thought well that's very self-indulgent you know that's very you know I'd want to play all the big places you know and so I wrote down all of these places different places around different churches and that sort of stuff and then I forgot about it and I thought that's really selfish fancy thinking about where I want to sing as an artist it's all about me you know you know what musicians are like it's all about them they love themselves you know and so I wrote it down and put it out of my mind but the really interesting thing is almost a year to the day I walked on stage at Hillsong and sang there and that was number 10 on the list the whole 10, all 10 fulfilled in a year. And all, there was no reason for God to do it. He just did it because he loves me. He just did it because he was blessing me. And I think, you know, we've got to get in our minds that our heavenly father loves us. But it's not just about ordering him around. See, we take the big things to God, but Jesus changing water into wine tells me that he loves small miracles as well and that he delights in blessing us. So let me run through what this passage teaches us about miracles. Number one, miracles happen when we understand that he cares about our everyday needs. Jesus actually cares about your needs. Did you know that? Jesus did not come to give us information. He came to give us transformation. He changes things. He has a way of taking the ordinary and making it, making it extraordinary. He didn't come to bring new ideas. He came to bring new life to new people. The water did not just appear to be wine. It was transformed into wine. It wasn't colored water. It was actual wine, and it was the best of wine at that. So if you have a need that makes room for Jesus to come in with miracles of love, then good for you. Sometimes, I was actually talking earlier with Rob, you know, sometimes you have needs... And, and they don't seem to be answered and you, you get a bit woe is me about them. Is that right? Look at all these horrible things. Look at this lack of money. Look at this lack of health. Look at this severed relationship. But I'm telling you, if you have a need, you should rejoice. James says rejoice in your trials. Why? Because if you have a need, you've got an opportunity for a miracle right there. If you can see it, if you can believe for it, it's right there. If you don't have the need, you don't get the miracle. And you miss out. So if you want to pray for miracles, expect a bit of need. Because he'll step in and deal with that. If our needs stand before us, sometimes they stand like those huge empty pots that he had there at the wedding. You know, maybe our souls are full of grief like those pots were full of water. But Jesus can, in his sweet way, in his sweet timing, and his perfect will, turn all the water into wine, the sighing into singing, the pain into praise, if you look to him. We should be glad to be weak so that the power of God might rest on us. We should rejoice in our needs because when we have needs, we can pray and we can see miracles happen. And miracles happen when we understand that God wants to bless us and care for us and provide for us and prosper us and not to harm us. That miracle, the water into wine miracle happened simply because there was a need at a wedding and he just stepped in and he blessed a whole bunch of people. If you want to see miracles in your life, you know, you've got to invite Jesus into your life. John 2.2 2 says this, the start of that passage I read. Jesus was also invited to the wedding with his disciples. If Jesus wasn't invited to the wedding, the miracle wouldn't have happened, folks. They'd have gone, oh, we've ran out of wine. Look at me. I'm an idiot. I didn't order enough wine, you know. 
The miracle happened because they invited Jesus in. And if you want to see miracles in your life, you need to invite Jesus into your life. If you've never asked Jesus into your life, now's the time to do it because you won't see the miracles without him being in your life because he, he had to be at the wedding for the miracle to happen. And I want to challenge you Christians as well to invite Jesus into every aspect of your life. So many times we say, we say Lord, you know, this is important, but don't come over here. This is where, we, you know, and just invite him. If you keep inviting him, you're going to keep seeing miracles. Did you know that? Because he's in the miracle business. The second thing is miracles happen when we see opportunities and not just needs. John 2.3 says, uh, when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Now she saw the need, but she didn't tell him how to do it. Very often we look at our circumstances and all we see is need. Maybe we pray for something. Maybe we're believing for healing or for for finances or something like that. But all we see is the need. And and we're like Peter. We step out in faith. We say, Lord, I'm going to pray. I'm going to believe. I'm going to step out of the boat. But when did he start to sink? When? When he took his eyes off Jesus and when he started looking at the, the circumstances around him. And we are so, you know, we're so easily distracted from, you know, we should set our mind on things above, not on earthly things. But what we do is we look at Christ, but then all these voices come from the side and we start to look all around us. And when we look at the circumstances and just the needs, we start to sink. I believe that God wants us to focus on him. I remember being very discouraged in Lily House years ago, and uh, we were right on the point of closing it down, which is weird when you've seen what God's just been doing through Deb and now Fiona. But we were on the point of closing it down, and Fiona said, look, look, I, I really feel like this. we're just fighting, fighting. We're getting nowhere. We've just got to trust God. And, but she said, oh, maybe, it's, maybe it's time has come. I said, look, yeah, maybe it has. And if, we, if, if it's time has come to finish, we've got to let it go and a guy had contacted me and uh, he said can we do lunch and if you know me I'm always up for lunch um, so I said yeah let's let's do it. so we went and we had lunch together at the end he said um, would you mind if I just gave a small donation to Lily House I said well that'd be great I didn't tell him we were thinking of closing it he wrote a check for ten thousand dollars and that was a miracle where God was was showing us that he still cared about Lily House you know Sometimes we reason it through, and the logical thing is this, but God can put a miracle in there and change our focus. I've got to, we had to not focus on the bills and focus on the fact that God had just dumped $10,000 in our lap to keep us going. If you're facing a need right now, take it to Jesus and believe for a miracle. The third thing about miracles is that miracles happen when we ask God in faith, then let him decide. Now, we're an ACC church, we're a Pentecostal church, and we're real good at bossing God around. We, we think we can tell him in the name of Jesus and he's got to do it. That is not true because God is God, right? And when you pray and believe for something, the trick is don't tell him how to do it. Pray and say, God, I have this need or I have this thing that, you know, I'm just praying, I'm just, I'm just going to trust you, Lord, no matter what. John 2 verse 5, Mary's mother said to, him, to the servants, do whatever he tells you. See, Mary brought a need to Jesus, but she didn't know how he's going to do it. She just knew by faith that he would have an answer. And that faith pleases God. Hebrews 11:6. without faith it is impossible to please God. Well, our faith pleases God. 
He loves it when we have faith in him. He brings him great delight. And if you want to see miracles, just trust him. Just don't tell him the way he needs to do it. So talk to him, ask him and trust him. But don't dictate how he needs to perform up to your expectations. You need to ask him and to trust him. There's an old song we used to sing back in the, you know, the, the pre-cell phone days. It's a long time ago for some of us. Trust and obey. For there's what? No other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. What does it mean? Well, have you tried trusting and disobeying? It doesn't work. Have you tried just obeying but not trusting? It doesn't work. They go together. And if you put them together, you will see miracles happening around you. But don't dictate to him how they should go. Matthew 6.33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you as well. When we uh, were looking at properties around Dubai, we were very set on one called the Clark Centre down in Howard Street. It fell through. I was disappointed, but I never gave up trusting God because I knew he had another way. And now the new property we're going to is far, far better and much cheaper and has real tenants (laughs) that pay your bills. So, I mean, it's, it's a way better choice. Just because we lost the first one, don't get dirty on God if you don't get it the way you want. Keep trusting him and trust him for the answer. You know, we we had a huge lesson, Fiona and I, uh, when Kaylee was born. We've mentioned this, I think, before. But when she was born, she she was born and she wasn't breathing. And uh, they revived her after seven minutes. They began to get her breathing again. And and, and we're so thankful that we have Kaylee with us. Yes, yes, give her a hand. Come on, that's a... Yay, Kaylee. But Fiona and I were talking about it and um, we were thinking, you know, like, thank you, Lord. We, we just thank you. We just, we just bless you that you saved our granddaughter's life. But he spoke to us and said, if I'd have taken her home, would you still be blessing me? That's a big question. You know, you pray for a miracle, but if it doesn't work out the way you want, keep believing Shadrach Meshach and Abednego they still got thrown in the fiery furnace but God was there and if you want to see miracles in your life keep believing God don't keep dictating to him how he should do them number four miracles happen when we do as he tells us in verse 7 and 8 of John 2, it says this. Jesus said, fill the jars with water, and they filled them to the brim. And then he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. So fill, <coughs> Jesus says, fill the empty jars up, guys, with the water that, the, you know, with water that's used for washing. And they're going, that's weird. What a weird thing to say. This guy's weird. And so they took some out. He said, now take it and feed it to the master of, the, of, the, of ceremonies. They said, are you kidding me? Have you met that guy? Like, man, and, and man, this, what, this is what we wash our feet in. You want us to take smelly foot water and feed it to the master of ceremonies? As weird as it was, they did it. And sometimes God asks you to step out and believe in a weird way. How many of you know that? When, when everybody says to you, well, this is the way it should go, but God says, trust me, it's going to go another way. How many of you have experienced that? And God, sometimes God asks you to do weird and wonderful things, but if you are obedient, 
That's when you see the miracle. George Mueller, I don't know if you know him, but he was the, uh, started orphanages in Victorian England, uh, mainly in the, in the town of Bristol. Well, one day there's a famous miracle, and I want to share this with you because I, I want to read what, it, what he actually uh, wrote about it. Um, they, the, the, he had a, a bunch of orphans there. They came down in the morning. There was no breakfast. There was nothing for them in the morning. They were, were starving. And so he writes this, the long dining room was set for breakfast, but without food. Don't you like that? They set the, they had no food, but they set the table. That's weird. That's almost as weird as smelly foot water. But anyway, Miller prayed, dear father, we thank thee for what thou art going to give us to eat. There was a knock at the door. And it was the baker unable to sleep because he was sure the Lord wanted him to bake bread for Mueller. Children, Mueller said, we not only have bread, we have fresh bread. Almost immediately, they heard a second knock. It was the milkman. The milk cart had broken down outside the orphanage, and he offered the milk to the children to complete their meal. If you are praying for rain, take an umbrella. You know, just step out and believe God. And if he has another way, keep believing him. But you've got to be obedient. Live in obedience, trust and obey. And trust God to make, make things happen, even if they seem unlikely. Last I saw, most miracles are unlikely, by definition. So don't be frightened to believe for things that are unlikely. The fifth thing is miracles happen when we understand that he gives abundantly. So Philippians 4.19, I love this verse. It says this, My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Now we often quote it, and we often quote it saying, God will give you your needs not your wants. You ever said that? We often do that. Oh, he only promises he'll supply your needs. He won't supply your wants. That's not true. He won't supply all your wants. I'm still waiting for a Lamborghini, but it hasn't happened. <laughs> but he does, he's not a God of the bare minimum, guys. He's not a God who just says, well, I'll give you this little miracle that'll kind of scrape you through. He's the God who pours it out abundantly. I don't believe that God only meets our most desperate needs. I mean, this wedding wasn't life and death. The scope of it wasn't even that important. Outside of the people in that room, no one cared if there was wine or not. He did it because he wanted to bless the people there. And Jesus could have given them just enough to keep the party going, but he didn't. This miracle illustrates that God is into not just abundance, but superabundance. Not just average wine, but the best of wine. Not just a case or two to get by, but 120 gallons of fine wine. And if they didn't consume that at the wedding, that couple was going to have a ding-dong honeymoon. <laughs> because, you know, this was the best of the best. Ephesians 3.20 says this, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we can even ask or think according to the power at work within us. You see, I can ask and think pretty big at times, but he can do exceedingly abundantly. I think we've got to understand God's not just here to have you scrape by. He has blessing involved for you. Am I telling you you can have anything you want in the world if you just have faith? No, I am not. I'm telling you, if you believe, if you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, then stuff just happens and miracles happen. Miracles are often about God not just meeting a need, but exceedingly abundantly blessing his children. Let me share one recently from Fiona and Maya's life. Now, we have a, 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 a 
a dining room and, a, and a, a table. We got a nice table. And we have six chairs, but we wanted eight. Because we're, you know, materialistic and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, so we wanted, we wanted, so we were two chairs short. And we were walking past fantastic furniture. And Fiona said, let's just go in here. It's where we got them last time. And see if there are any, you know, see if they've still got the chairs. We'll order in another couple of chairs. They come as a flat pack, which many of you know is challenging. I'm sure it's designed by people in China saying, oh, this will get them. (laughs) So we walked into Fantastic Furniture. Right at the back were two chairs, exactly the same as ours, being run out half price. Now, that's a miracle. It could have been some other chair. There could have been someone else could have bought those chairs. I think that's a minor miracle. And we didn't need two chairs. We just wanted them. And God blessed us. See, we've got to understand he is, he blesses us exceedingly abundantly if we would just trust him and look to him. So let me finish with this, the result of this miracle. Back to the water and the wine. What were the results of that miracle? Well, given that it happened at a private wedding, it wasn't a big press release. People back, people who attended the wedding didn't get on Facebook and say, oh man, you should see this wine we've got here, you know. That didn't happen. John 2 verse 11 says this, This is the first of his signs Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory and the disciples believed in him. See, God still performs miracles if we ask him and if we trust him. We need to believe in him and not dictate how he should move, but trust him even if it seems weird. We need faith. But the interesting thing is we don't need a lot of faith. I've had a lot of people say, oh, you need to build up your faith. You need to build up your faith. And you need to let him build up your faith. I'll tell you how in a minute. But we, sometimes we try and, you know, we sit there, I do believe. I do, I do, I do, I do, I do, I do, I do believe. But Jesus said this in Luke 17. If you have faith like a grain of, of mustard seed, you could say to that mulberry tree be, uproot, be, mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would obey you. What he's saying, see, you don't need... It's not about drumming up your faith. You don't need a lot of faith. A small amount of faith in an incredibly faithful God is all that's needed. And I want to encourage you today. Many of you are sitting and you say, oh, man, I'm not seeing miracles in my life. Maybe I haven't got enough faith. You need to trust him for faith. Just believe him. As Smith Wiggleworth says, only believe. Just believe in him. It's not about you trying to conjure something. My faith is often so small, but right now with all the miracles that's happening around our church and what I'm hearing happening in families and stuff and people getting homes and all this sort of stuff, I think it's incredible. And I'm just reaching the point right now where I'm expecting a miracle all the time. What a great place to be. When I have a problem, I'm looking at it saying, this is an awesome chance for a miracle. Let's pray and believe, you know. This miracle, according to that passage of Scripture, did something for Jesus' disciples. It revealed the glory of Jesus, but it did something else. It gave them a strong foundation for their faith. See, the accumulative effect of miracle after miracle strengthens our faith. And that's why God loves to do lots of little miracles. Because every time you see a minor miracle, you go, wow, that's awesome. And you've got more faith for the next one. You don't have to jump from, I'll go right from here, right to raising the dead. You know, that's a big jump. Have you got enough faith for that? I'm not sure I have. But I tell you what, I can, I can have faith for this and then for this. And, then for the, and as you see the miracles roll out, you start to believe God. That's why he does small miracles. Because one, because they're fun. I'm sure he sits up there going, this is awesome. 
I'm going to hit these guys with 120 gallons of fine wine. That's awesome. I'm sure God loves it. He delights in his children when we obey. But as we obey, as we step into faith, as we keep believing, he starts to roll out small miracle after small miracle after small miracle until pretty soon they become large miracles. Can you attest to that in your life? Do you, do you believe that? Because I've seen it again and again. Uh, I remember when we, when we actually got the property in here, I was with the real estate agent who's not a Christian, a lovely bloke, but he's not a Christian. And uh, I was telling him that we needed a miracle to buy that because we had not enough money to, to buy that property and settle on it. And then I told him about the miracle God had provided for Lily House. And he looked at me, he said, he said, wow, that's amazing. And I said, no, it's not. It's God. <laughs> and he went, oh, I said, I'm, I'm serious. This is a God moment. God did this. He's going, wow. Problem. Yeah, maybe he did. He didn't know what to say. You see, the water into wine miracle shows me that God is interested in even the smallest details of our lives and that he wants to perform miracles for us. Lots of little ones and maybe a few big ones when you really need them. We just need to ask and trust and obey and he provides miraculously, even super abundantly sometimes. So my question to you today as I wrap it up is, do you need a miracle today? Because maybe you don't even need, do you want a miracle today? Because I know that there are people here with, with needs. I know there are people here with physical needs. Maybe you're sick, maybe, maybe you've got pain somewhere. I can't make that better. Only God can do that. But I'm telling you, he's in the miracle working business. And if you pray and it doesn't happen, you keep believing. Because if it doesn't, if he has a better way, you've got to trust him on that as well. Can you trust him no matter what? Because that's the faith he's looking for. The faith that says, Lord, I will trust you no matter what. Even if it all goes pear-shaped from worldly eyes, I'm still going to trust you. As Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. So I want to encourage you this morning. I believe we're seeing a season of miracles in our church. I believe that according to his wisdom and his will, and that's the important bit, his will, that he will provide many, many miracles when he chooses in the way he chooses i'm seeing miracles every day a few big ones lots of small ones but all of them build my faith and i want to encourage you today i want you to look at one area of your life where you need or would love to see a miracle is it your health is it your finances is it a relationship i don't know but there is something in your life i don't believe there's anyone in this place right now that doesn't need a miracle or online we all need a miracle somewhere you have not because you do not ask. This is our moment to ask. Can you believe God for an awesome miracle? I don't know what it is. But I'm going to ask you to bow your head. Thanks. So. What is it that you want God to do? Psalm 105 verse 5 says this, Remember the wondrous works he has done, his miracles, and the judgments he uttered. So what I want to know is what is that miracle? What can he do? What are you praying for and believing for this morning? Just, just picture that in your mind, in your heart right now.
Now say these words with me. Lord, I'm believing you for a miracle. Lord, we are believing you for miracles. What, what you're placing in our hearts right now, we're believing you for miracles. Big or small, important or not important, we just believe you, Lord, for miracles. But as we finish, I'm just, I just want to challenge one more challenge. If you are facing something big at the moment and you need a significant miracle, I want you to stand where you are. Maybe it's a health miracle. Maybe it's a finance miracle. Maybe things are tough. Maybe you're not sure where you're going. But if you need a miracle right now, if you need a miracle, just stand where you are. This is, this is a time of joy. It's not a, it's not a time of bad. This is a great time. If you need a miracle, just stand where you are. And I ask you to just open your hands out to the Lord. And we are going to believe God for these miracles. Father, I pray that you'll just look upon every person who is standing here, whatever is required, Lord God. I pray that you would make it happen in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we believe for miracles. We're not going to tell you how to do it, but we're going to expect a miracle because you are a miracle working God. Father, I pray that you would give us faith, that we would be able to keep believing you, even if it doesn't go the way we want. Lord God, we will believe you for miracles because you are a miracle-working God. Oh, Lord, have your way.